Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your word together tonight. Give us ears to hear it, hearts to receive it, and minds to be open to it. Help us to understand the things that you would have us to walk in. Change us by what we hear. We don't want to be just hearers, but doers of the word. Change us by what we hear from glory to glory. As we commit ourselves and surrender our wills to you. To become that for which Jesus shed his precious holy blood. Father, I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to proclaim the truth of your word in power and demonstration. That our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the living God and the resurrected Christ. For all things, we'll give you all praise, honor, and glory because you deserve it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. We're talking about possessing the land that already belongs to us. In Deuteronomy chapter 26 and verse 1, basically this is what the scripture is talking about. It shall be when thou art come into the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance... Notice you come to it. Have you come to Jesus? Then possess it. And dwell therein. Notice the steps. You come to him. You possess it. You have it. By faith we get a hold of it. And then live in it. And we've talked about how. Adam and Eve failed to do it. Israelites failed to do it. Under Joshua they got in. But then they stumbled along the way. Not a pretty good track record would you say. But that doesn't mean we can't. We can do it because we've got Christ and we can do all things through him. We can do it because we get the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us to equip us and help us to walk through it. Amen. Amen. Now, the Israelites were given the land. They possessed the land. They entered in under Joshua. But notice in Joshua chapter 18, they didn't possess their inheritance even though they were in it. They still had land to possess. When we come to Christ, there's a whole lot that we can experience in reality in Him. It's not just being saved by grace through faith and that's it. There's a whole table land out there for us to just enjoy the full benefits of our covenant. The whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of the congregation there and the land was subdued before them and there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes notice of the twelve tribes seven tribes which had not yet received received not that it wasn't given they didn't receive it what they didn't receive their inheritance and Joshua said to the children of Israel how long is God going to take to get it to you no how long what Are you going to be slack to go possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers hath given you? In other words, don't be passive, be active. Don't just sit back and wait for it to happen. See, what they were so used to, they were used to God doing everything for them. They came out of Egypt, they saw the cloud by day, the fire by night. They saw the angels separating them between uh, the enemy. They saw part the Red Sea. Everything that they had done for them, they got used to sitting back and just letting God do it all. The time came when it was up to them to use their faith and go possess the land. And what did they do? Nothing. 
Seven of the 12 tribes, seven of them did not go and get their land. He said, what are you doing? Look at the book of Hebrews in chapter uh, 11, or, or chapter 6 rather, and verse 11 and 12. And we desire every one of you to show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end that you be not slothful, inactive, passive, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Notice the language here. Don't be like those seven tribes. Yeah, they were in there. They were just settling for mediocrity. It's okay. I'm okay. I've got what, whatever I've got here. No, you've got some more land to occupy. There's a whole lot for you to experience out there. Go get it. It's yours. It's on the table. It belongs to you. But they wouldn't do it at this point. And so Joshua had to stir them up to get them, get out there and go get what belongs to you. And sometimes I believe it's easy to take just an inactive, passive role, even in our walk with God. I'm sure he's thinking, I've got so much more to get into you, more than you can even comprehend and know, but you've got to use your faith to tap into it. It's by faith we access the grace of God. Every grace of God that's in Christ Jesus it's by faith we access it. So in other words, let's not be passive. Let's be aggressive and go get it. We've been talking about some principles that will enable us to get out there and get it. We gave 10 of them, but already I don't want to start reviewing all that. We're going to pick it up with number 11. Is that okay? So let's throw number 11 up there on the board. Look to the Spirit for guidance. Look to the Spirit for guidance. In 1 Samuel chapter 23, we see this illustrated in the life of David. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, inquired of the Lord. Look, the land belongs to us. And rather than sit back passively, God wants us to become aggressive and get out there and get it. But he doesn't want us to move without his direction or guidance. Shall I go smite these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go and smite the Philistines and save Kilah. And David's men said unto him, behold, we be afraid we're pretty mighty men of valor. <laughs> we be afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we come to Kila against the armies of the Philistines? So then David inquired of the Lord yet again. And the Lord answered and said, Arise, go down to Kila for, I love this, I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. Would you go with confidence then? If God said, go get it, go do it, I will ensure that it will be yours. So just go. And what did they do? They did that very thing. But my point is, whatever's out there for us, we need to go get it. But let's look to the Spirit for guidance and direction. Look in 1 Samuel chapter 30. See, David, it was customary for him to inquire of the Lord as to what to do so he could know the outcome before he ever set out to achieve it. Wouldn't that be great to know if you knew the outcome before you went out there to do it? David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. Remember this is at Ziklag. This is when they came back and saw their camp completely destroyed. Their wives, their children were captured by the enemy and taken. David's mighty men with him were absolutely upset with David because they blamed him for it. They all cried, the Bible says, till they could not cry anymore. That's pretty distressed, wouldn't you say? 
So there they are in that state of mind. So he's greatly distressed. They wanted to stone him now. So imagine yourself being David in that state that they want to now kill you as well. Because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But David, but David, first of all, did what? Encouraged himself in the Lord. You know, we've got to learn this principle. It is so important for us to realize we're going to have all kinds of challenges in this life. And there's going to be kind of all kinds of obstacles to keep us from the things that God has for us. And even at the lowest point, the lowest ebb in his life, he encouraged himself in the Lord first. Even before he inquired of the Lord, he encouraged himself in the Lord. You know, they were distressed. We can be the same. We could have all kinds of emotional feelings, all kinds of thoughts coming against our mind. Encourage yourself in the Lord. There was nobody else to help him. Nobody else to pick up the phone and call him, send him a text or whatever. He encouraged himself in the Lord. How did he do that? Probably something like this. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I realize this looks terrible, but you know what, God? You're bigger than this situation. You're bigger than what I'm going through. You're bigger than any enemy that took my wife, my child, etc., etc. You're bigger, you're greater, you're bigger. I remember the lion. I remember the bear. I remember giant Goliath. I remember those episodes in my life and so you know what I am not going to keep my head down I'm not going to be in despair I'm going to lift my head up and look to the heels from what's cometh my help it comes from you above and so I'm coming to you and David said to Abiathar the priest Ahimelech's son I pray thee bring me hither the ephod and Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David and David inquired of the Lord saying now notice shall I pursue this troop how important is this in other words, don't step out and do this foolishly or presumptuously. Get the mind of God first. God, what, what, what do you want me to do in this situation? Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him. Isn't that good to know that God can answer us and will? Pursue. Don't you love the way God speaks? Pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Once again, they have the outcome before they ever set out to do it. Isn't that a good place to be in? We know exactly what to do. And we know the outcome before we ever set out to accomplish the goal. Well, we have the Holy Spirit. In John's Gospel, chapter 16 and verse 13, you and I, we've got a travel guide. Amen? Look at it. How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truths. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Isn't that exactly what he did for David? He showed him the outcome before it ever came to pass. It encouraged him, gave him confidence to be aggressive and go forth and pursue it and bring it back. Praise God. And that's exactly what they did, and they recovered all. Praise God. What a beautiful story. But it's also true on our part that God wants to do the same for us. He wants to develop an intimate relationship with him in such a way so that we can inquire of him as well so we can know exactly what we need to do in given situations that we encounter in life. So where do I go from here? What do you want me to do? Is this what I should do? Is that what I should do? Seeking his face and getting direction by his spirit is key to possessing our land and maintaining it and dwelling in it. Next, look at 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Um, before we go to the next one here is a scripture that we should all at least learn the first part and memorize it now thanks be unto God which sometimes 
causes. You are awake. Everybody say always. Always causes. Who's the cause of our triumph? God. Who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Hallelujah. Take a moment with me. And just say to the Lord, thank you for always causing me to triumph. Thank you for always causing me to triumph. Thank you for always causing me to triumph. You cause me to triumph, Lord. You give me the victory, Lord. Thank you for always causing me to triumph. Anywhere I go, everywhere I go, in every situation I encounter, thank you for causing me to triumph. And make it manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Now, next, give the battle to God. Turn it over to him. Who's greater than our God? 1 Samuel chapter 20, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Chronicles chapter 14. Look at what it says. Here is one of the outstanding kings of Judah. King Asa started off strong. He finished weak. It can happen. So when it comes to our promised land, walking in victory, even these individuals that were outstanding characters in the Old Testament that began a strong walk with God because of not dwelling as they should have in the land of promise, they ended up on a sad note. Such was Asa. And think about it. I know people don't have, they have a hard time even thinking this through, but what about David, the man after God's own heart? What happened to him at the end of his reign, of his life? All the heartache, the pain that he experienced as a result of certain actions on his part that were not very acceptable to God. Asa cried to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. Notice that word multitude? Would you call one million foot soldiers a multitude? And 300 chariots added to that to the Ethiopian army? Would you call that a multitude? So one million foot soldiers and 300 chariots are coming against Asa and Judah with no good intentions. They weren't coming for tea and crumpets. They were just coming to destroy them. So he says in the beginning of his reign, O Lord, thou art our God. Let not man prevail against thee. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. So here we see him at the beginning of his reign, the beginning of his, his ministry, you could say, and being strong in the Lord and the power of his might, his attitude is right, his, his mental, the way he thinks, his mentality is right, his mental position is right. Okay, but now look at chapter 16, and here's the same individual. Later, 35 years later, in his reign, he encounters a similar situation where an enemy is coming at them and against them to stand against them. Well, what does he do? Instead of relying on the Lord, he takes money from the Lord's treasury. And what he does is he looks to the resources of man to protect him and protect them from the enemy. And 
Hanani is the seer or the prophet and here's what he says and at that time Hanani the seer came to Asa king of Judah and said unto him because thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord your God therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans a host a huge host which very many with very many chariots and horsemen yet because thou didst rely on the Lord he delivered them into thine hand for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him herein thou hast done foolishly therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars then Asa was very apologetic and repented No, he was very angry with the seer, as if the seer did something wrong, and put him in a prison house. How do you go from how he was 35 years earlier to now becoming so angry and so against the things of God that you put his prophet in a prison house? He was in a rage with him because of this thing. And Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. Wow. And behold, the acts of Asa first and last, lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah in Israel. And Asa in the thirty and ninth year of his reign was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease, he sought not the Lord, but to the physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. So at the beginning of his reign, he was strong in the things of God. By the end of his reign, all of a sudden now he's relying on man. He's relying on natural resources. And even when he was diseased, he had about five years to get it right. He doesn't repent. We have no record of his repenting. And what happens? He dies. And I guess it's, the rest is left to whatever God's judgment is upon his life. But what a sad scenario to, stand, to start so strong and end so weak. Wouldn't you agree? So even though we come to Christ, we get into the land, and we've got many promises that he wants to fulfill in our lives, we need to stand firm, we need to stand strong, and we need to see to it that we stay in the word of God and keep our minds renewed to the word of God and continue following the leadership of the Holy Spirit and doing the things that he wants us to do. Why? Because we don't want to finish weak. We want to finish strong. Amen? And victorious in our lives. Look at Second Chronicles, I'm, I'm sorry, look at Romans chapter 8, because this pertains to us. What about the things we go through in life? What about the challenges that we face in life? What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Sometimes I think we, we look at those scriptures, we memorize them, and they just become, you know, commonplace to us. If we took the time to really meditate that, what a question, Paul. If God is on your side, let them have a million foot soldiers and three million chariots. What would it matter? It doesn't matter. Who could be against us? Who can defeat us? He that spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So in other words, when God is on our side, you talk about the right to be aggressive, the right to be confident, just like they were uh, confident and aggressive to stay with it at the beginning 
and then don't falter toward the end. Next, obedience is better than sacrifice. It trumps sacrifice. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, we find this story. These are principles. These are things that we could, let's say, learn from and develop in so that we can apply them to our lives. Locate yourself and see, am I this way? Am I that way? Here we have Samuel, Saul rather, who was told what to do. And he basically deceives himself into thinking he did what he was told to do when he really didn't. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord? This is the prophet speaking to him. But didst fly upon the spoil and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said to Samuel, yeah, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. And I've gone the way which the Lord sent me. And I have brought Agag, uh, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil. Now he blames the people. The people took of the spoil and the sheep and the oxen. The chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed. Now notice this. To sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. So he exonerates himself. He blames the people. But he says, but it's for a good cause to worship God with. And Samuel says, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. Wow. He hath also rejected thee from being king. Now notice this. And Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, I've sinned, I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words because I feared the people. Now he has a reason, he has an excuse. And obeyed their voice. Wow. To obey is better than sacrifice. What does that mean? That means rather than saying, I'm sorry I did that, Lord, he'd rather say, He'd rather hear you say, I'm glad I didn't do it, but I chose the right path. So I don't have to repent. To obey is better than sacrifice. And I believe this. I'm just going to throw it out there to you. I've said it different times. If Adam and Eve would have obeyed, there have, would have been no need for Jesus' sacrifice. How would you like that on your soul? That Jesus had to die the death that he died because they refused to obey. Had they obeyed, what a transition it would have been. They would have lived on the earth in a perfect state, enjoyed life perfectly, and whatever the length of time would be, the reign that he would have upon the earth, at the end of it all, he would be elevated to the higher position that God had for him. Wow. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine living on earth without any sin, sickness, disease, mental anguish, without any, any kind of curse whatsoever? No bugs, insects, no mice, no whatever, those, you know, mosquitoes and stink bugs and all the sort of things that we encounter. Right. We would just have a perfect, perfect place and then transition into a more perfect place. Wow. Isn't that a better scenario? I would think. But anyhow. All right. Now, next. Number four, 14. The power of synergy. The power of synergy. Look in the book. There's, there's three scriptures here for a reason. Deuteronomy 32.30. How should one chase a thousand and put two put ten thousand to flight? Except their rock ho- had sold them and the Lord had shut them up. 
In other words, God's going to be involved in this. And then also in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4 and verse 12, and if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And then in Genesis chapter 11 and verse 6, and the Lord said, behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Now these three scriptures reveal to us the fact that when people gather together and work together to accomplish, to achieve something, there is power in synergy. They join their efforts together and they can do a whole lot more together than they can do individually by themselves with their own resources. Which is why we're told to gather together in the name of Jesus and all the more as you see the day approaching because the darkness is getting darker and the light's getting lighter. And God wants us to join forces together because we can create a greater force, a greater power. So when we do, it's easier for our dreams to be achieved and our goals to be achieved. When we do, we create a habitation for God to move within our midst. When we do, we also create an atmosphere or a force that the enemy cannot penetrate. Those are what those three scriptures stand for. Recall the church when they gathered together at the beginning in the book of Acts chapter 3 and 4 after the man was healed that was lame who had never walked from his mother's womb and you remember when they took aside Peter and John arrested them and threatened them no longer teach and preach in the name of Jesus what did they do they were let go and of course these ruling leaders thought we put the fear of God into them we put the fear of us into them we're going to shut them up once and for all but what happened they went back to their own company I like that. They reported all that the chief priests and elders said to them. And they began to pray and said, Lord, your God, you made heaven, earth, sea, and all that in them is. Who by the mouth of your servant David said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ of the truth against the holy child Jesus whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the people of Israel for to do whatsoever your hand and counsel determined for to be done. But now, Lord, look at their threats. And behold to us your servants that with all boldness we may preach thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and signs and wonders be wrought by the name of the holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed the whole place was shaken together. The whole place was shaken. Imagine that. Everybody was filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke the word of God with boldness. When they united together they drew strength from one another. And then the power of God was present among them. And did a mighty work right there before them. Now we read that. But can you imagine if this building began to rumble? Can you imagine if this building began to shake? And I mean if it's the power and presence of God that's shaking the place. It's getting shaken pretty well. Wouldn't you say? And all of a sudden you see the Holy Ghost is moving in power upon people. And they're becoming emboldened to proclaim the word unashamedly. Without any fear of man whatsoever. You want to get your land, you want to take your land, you want to keep your promises. God wants us to rise up and not be intimidated by our enemy because we know the greater one lives on the inside of us than no matter what we face in this life. And then also look at Matthew 18 because this is, this is what Jesus said. And here's why there's power. Why when we talk to putting together synergy, we get people working together, pulling together. You can do a whole lot more than you can individually. 
Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you that if any two of you shall ask anything, you shall ask of my Father. Such anything shall ask. It shall be done for them by my Father in heaven. Why? Because where two or three are gathered together in my name. Where two or three are gathered together in my name. Where two or three have gathered together in my name. There am I. There am I. Oh my. Can you imagine being an enemy? When we have our God being an enemy to our enemies. Being our adversary when our God is an adversary to our adversaries. There's greater force. There's greater power. Because Jesus shows up. And when we gather like this, and we join our faith together like this, we can be assured that he's here right now to help us, whatever it is that we need to get, to receive. So to get our promised land, it takes faith. To live in that land, it takes faith. And to finish our course, it takes faith. But praise God, when we work this out together with each other, what happens? We can be more effective and efficient in helping one another. Imagine that. And that's why it's important that we continue to meet together. But also it's important to have a good prayer party that you can agree with. Because what you do is you unleash the power of God. You know the power of synergies is very simple. At least we think. This horse pulls 1,000 pounds. That horse pulls 1,200 pounds. Together you would think they pulled 2,200 pounds. No. Put them together they can pull almost 3,000 pounds. Makes no sense. Logically. Right? Hey if you can only lift up so many weights and other guy could lift up so many, then that should be it. But you put the two together, and they could lift up even much, much more together. That's synergy. And so when you and I hook up together with God, hmm, that's synergy. Can you imagine His power being unleashed, unleashed on our behalf, enabling us to succeed? Amen. Next, remain confident and aggressive. And here we have the, once again, the life of David. Remain confident and aggressive. And First Samuel 17, verse 48. You know the story, David and Goliath, so we don't have to go through the whole story again. But here's this young boy, and he's told by his king, you can't do this. You're too young, and he is a warrior from his youth. You can't do this. It came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David was reluctant And he backed off just for a little bit when he saw the size of the giant Goliath. And he thought about what he had said before and wondered, maybe I spoke too soon. No. That David hasted and ran toward the enemy to meet the Philistine. Ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. He said, bring it on. He was aggressive. He was confident. Why? Because they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. I'm not coming against you with a sword or a spear. I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord of hosts that made heaven and earth and sea. And he will deliver you into my hands and your head's coming off. So let's get this thing going now. Paul said that our solid front, which is not being intimidated by your enemy... To us is a sure sign of his defeat. Amen. In us, the victory that we have in our Lord. God wants us, in other words, to be aggressive and confident knowing that, hey, God is indeed on my side. 
and he will defend me. He will fight for me. He will go before me. There's nothing but success in our future, in other words. Amen? Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. We know, we know we have an enemy out there. Jesus told us we're going to have all kinds of uh, difficulties in this life. But be sober, be vigilant, vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. So we know it's coming our way, but whom resist steadfast in the faith or in your faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So we ought to be confident and we need to be aggressive realizing that he's going to come against us in any way he possibly can. If he attacked Jesus, he'll attack us. But we're confident, we're aggressive, we're going to stay on top of things. We're not going to get ourselves into a corner somewhere because we're involved in this, that, the other thing, and neglecting the things of God. But we're going to stand firm and strong in the Lord and the power of his might, and we're going to face the enemy head on. And we're going to rise up in the name of Jesus and overcome. We're not going to back off. We're going to be like a David did and go after the enemy. I'm staying ahead of the game, in other words. I'm getting ahead of you. You can do all you want in the natural, but I've got the supernatural power of God on my behalf. Can you say amen? Next, recognize the enemy's traps. And this is really something for us to consider. Because you see, the enemy wants to do what? He wants to destroy our lives. He wants to ruin our testimony, tarnish our testimony, ruin our witness. He wants to come against us in many different ways to stop us from experiencing the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ. But here, recognize the enemy's traps. Look once again in the life of David. 2 Samuel chapter 11. It came to pass. After the year was expired, at the time when the kings, when kings do what? Go forth into battle. That David sent Joab. Now what's wrong with that? It's the time the kings go into battle. It's the time the kings lead their army into battle. But David stayed home. He didn't go into battle. And you can see that this was like a turning point in the life of David. What was happening to David, he was probably getting caught up in the pride, arrogance. God has used me in a powerful way. You see how dangerous it is not to stay close in our walk with the Lord? Because even someone after God's own heart who can do something like this should be an example for us all not to follow. So he sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. So he stayed back. Took a little nap. It came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed. And walked upon the roof of the king's house, which is very up high. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, Eliam the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Notice, the wife of Uriah. And David sent messengers and took her and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified for her, from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. So now we see the beginning of the demise of David, and how he, at the end of his leadership, his life, his ministry began to falter. He didn't go off to battle. He got caught up in the pride. 
he stayed home as a result there was temptation had he not been there he would have never been in the situation that he was in and even at that he could have done the right thing this woman is married you don't touch her but because he's the king he could say what he wants he could do what he wants and if she doesn't come and do what he wants then he can have her killed so she's in a very precarious situation herself what else does he do? he enters into deception he calls her husband home when he finds out she's pregnant and of course he is an honorable man he's not going to lay with his wife as long as his brethren are out there fighting in a war so he doesn't even go into his house you know the story it gets to the place where David realized even getting him drunk and getting him to try to do what he wanted him to do he wouldn't, wasn't going to do it so he sends him off to war and tells the people in leadership back off when he gets out there so he dies can you imagine this being called a man after God's own heart you can see how we can start strong and we can finish weak can you see that no matter who we are 35 years Asa reigned as a powerful king but it got to him oh we have to be so aware so alert as he said be vigilant you've got an adversary out there he'll wait for a more opportune time we want to possess our land we want to see it through all the way to the end all the way to glory all the way to victory amen well this happens in David's life and you know the rest of the story the rest of his life is miserable just miserable he thought he covered it up but he didn't do it well enough now look in the book of um, 1 Chronicles 21 verse 1 and Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel something seemingly so minute so small in other words how many foot soldiers do we have how many men do we have here in our army and God said don't do it and the prophet said don't do it but David said no I'm doing it can you see how he's now over really overriding God's commands he's getting caught up in doing it his way not even God's way the prophet said don't do it oh king the, the Lord said don't do it I'm doing it count how many men so here we go he doesn't go off the battle he counts the men that he shouldn't he then gets involved with Bathsheba and all of a sudden everything falls apart around him you can't occupy your, your possessions that way so we need to safeguard ourselves our lives and protect our lives realizing that there's a lot of temptations that are out there in this world and we need to protect our hearts with all diligence amen praise God all right, look in the book of Galatians now. Because this is the will of God for every single one of us. I love these verses of scripture. This is from the Amplified Bible. Grace and spiritual blessing be to you. And soul peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah. Who gave or yielded himself up to atone for our sins. And to save and to sanctify us. In order to rescue and deliver us from this present wicked age and world order in accordance with the will and purpose and plan of God our Father is that not powerful Jesus gave his life to deliver us from everything that's evil in this world that we live in he sacrificed his all in order for us to be free from all that and so he says this is the will of God for every single one of us that we walk in victory 
and overcome this world that we live in. And how are we going to do that? By our faith. What's the victory that overcomes the world? Even our faith. And so praise God. God wants us to recognize the enemy's traps. But look at 2 Timothy, what he said to Timothy. And recognize and realize that the enemy is going to try to get us involved and entangled in the affairs of this world. Like he did to, to, to David. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Who enlisted us into his army? And what is he saying? David, don't get involved in doing stuff like that. What's the matter with you? Asa, don't get involved in doing stuff like that. You don't need those resources. All you need is me. And he's telling us the same thing. He's telling Timothy, don't get involved in all the strife, the division, the envy, the this, the that, the immorality, everything that's around you in the world, you are enlisted in the army of God. You don't belong to yourself, you belong to him. And as a good soldier, endure the hardness. Whatever comes your way, bite the bullet, in other words, and take a stand for God and serve him with your life. Amen. Next, and we'll finish this. Activate the power of God within activate the power of the Holy Spirit within we're talking about walking in our possessions we've come to the land we've possessed the land we aggressively are going after what belongs to us in Christ whether it's healing whether it's deliverance financial assistance and help our relational problems whatever it might be we are gung-ho we're going forward we're not being passive we're not sitting back we're not just going to wait for something to happen we're going to make something happen because we are pursuing the things of God because they belong to us, right? In the book of Zechariah, chapter 4, and verse 6. What a call upon his life. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings crying, Grace, grace unto it. What is he saying to us? There's going to be mountains of adversity. There's going to be obstacles in our way. There's going to be things to try to keep us out of the blessings that belong to us or keep us from enjoying our inheritance. But you know what? We're not going to get it through natural resources. We're not going to get it through military powers. We're not going to get it through political powers. We're not going to get it through human intelligence as uh, smart as we think we might be. I'll tell you what, Job thought he would try that with God and he found out in a quick hurry he knew nothing. No. So how are we going to do it? How are we going to accomplish it? Praise God, you realize that you and I are unique individuals living in the time in which we live right now. Back then they could have the Holy Ghost on them, but they couldn't have the Holy Ghost in them. And you and I have the Holy Ghost living on the inside of us that we can stir up his mighty working power in us, enabling him to do the things that God wants to do in us and through us, and to assist us and help us, praise God, in accomplishing the purposes of God in our lives. 
And so we need to activate. Look at the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 28 through 31. We need to activate the power of God that is within us and not looking to other resources because they probably can't help. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary because it's a spiritual battle. And the young men shall utterly fall because it's a spiritual battle. But they that wait upon the Lord shall exchange their strength. Oh, I love that translation of it. They shall intermingle. Those that intermingle with the Lord, that intertwine themselves with the Lord, they shall exchange. That word renew means to exchange their strength. In other words, we give him our strength. He gives us his strength. We're going to exchange strength. He joins his strength with ours. We join our strength with his. Praise God. I don't know about you, but I think we got the better end of that deal. Wouldn't you say the same thing? And they'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not weary, and they will walk and not faint. We don't have to faint at the end of our lives upon the earth. We don't have to get weary at the end of our lives upon the earth. Yes, we may lose a few battles along the way, but we will not lose the war, praise God. When you're a young person and you're growing up in the things of God, the enemy may get to pull the wool over your eyes once in a while here and there, but praise God, the more you grow in the Lord, the power of his might, you're strong in him, we'll get to a place, praise God, that we're going to get stronger and more powerful in him and not weaker and faint. Why? Because we learned a secret. Sit back and let God take over. Just use your faith and let God be in control. Stir up the power of the Holy Spirit within and let him be the one to equip us for the task. In the book of Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Again, another powerful, powerful verse. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. There is a power in us that transcends human thinking, human thought, human understanding, and human reasoning. It is a power that's within. That power can lie dormant in us, or that power can be activated in us. It could just be an explode in us, praise God. And God wants us to understand that. And that's why I say this. I think a lot of people right now, you go back to the late mid-70s when the charismatic movement took place and, and people were coming out of their denominational churches getting filled with the Holy Ghost and power speaking with other tongues. What a time that was, praise God, when people were set ablaze and on fire for God, unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it seems like today in this time in which we live, we got to walk a little bit on eggshells, you know, because we don't want to offend people and make them think we're kind of lunatics and crazy people. Let me tell you something. That is a ploy of the devil to make people think that praying in other tongues is somehow demonic or something that's not even, even worth our attention. You know why? Because it's not the tongue part. It's the person of the Holy Ghost that we receive in measure beyond the new birth. It is a power that equipped the, the early disciples and apostles to go forth and stand before the same crowd that wanted to kill Peter. He stands there boldly and says, hey, you men of Israel and Jerusalem, listen unto me. Let me tell you something right now. I may have denied, he didn't say this, but he probably would have. I, didn't, I denied him three times because I thought, 
I thought I had it all together. I thought I was big and bold. I told him face to face, I will never deny you. I will never walk away from you. But I want you to know something. That little woman came by and pointed me out and I just ran scared and I denied him three times. But I'm here to tell you right now, I was in the upper room. And in that upper room, I got filled with Holy Ghost power, praise God. And you can try to come to me. You can try to put me down, shout me down, whatever. I'm going to tell you right now, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. I got the power of God. He became bold to proclaim and declare the death, burial, resurrection of the Messiah to all the Jews that denied him. What did that? Holy Ghost power. That's what did it. And when they got to the house of the Gentiles and Peter went there to preach, what happened? The Holy Ghost fell, filled them with the Spirit, and they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Mary spoke in tongues. The 120 spoke in tongues. Every apostle spoke in tongues. All the apostles, including Paul, who says, I speak in tongues more than ye all. See, God wants to distract people, make them think, oh, you know, this tongue thing is just, you know, very, you're not going to be sophisticated if you do that. No, what he's saying is, I want to see to it that I squash your power. Don't want you to have power. Because you see, more importantly than a prophetic thing in tongues or or a, a message in tongues or whatever, is for you to go home in your car tonight and you stir up the gift of God in you by praying in the Spirit until the glory of God falls and floods your soul and fills every pore of your being and emboldens you to proclaim Jesus. And also, quicken your mortal body and give it life and health. God gave us a means and a method by which we can experience this part of our inheritance. And it's called praying in tongues. And we're going to get maybe in more detail about that. Look at the next one. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 and Ephesians 6.10. Look at at those two verses in these translations. Amplified first. Not in your own strength. The prior verse said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But not in your own strength. Thanks be to God. For It is God who's all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Who's at work in us? Whose strength is it? It's his strength. And what does he do with it? He energizes us and creates within us the power that we need to do his will. His will is being worked out in us. And his will is wholeness and spirit soul and body deliverance healing and everything else but look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 and this is the amplified in conclusion be strong in the Lord be empowered through your union with him draw your strength from him that strength with which his boundless might provides wow wow Where are we supposed to draw our strength from? Him. Strength which his boundless might provides. Empowered through our union with him. No wonder he wants us to walk around saying greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And you know what? Someone just says oh you're just spewing out words. Yeah I am. But you know what? They're going to hit home some moment. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You know I'm kind of when it comes to me, it takes me a little while to learn some things for the light bulb to go on. So I have to say it maybe a thousand times. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Why? I want to get it from here down to here. Do you see what I mean? 
I want it to sink into my heart, sink into my spiritual ears, and sink into, in me until it becomes an active force in me. You are greater in me than that lion. You are greater in me than that bear. You are greater in me than that giant. So what does it matter who comes against me? You're greater than me than a million Ethiopians that are coming against me. You are greater in me than 300, chari than 300 chariots. You are greater than, and just name them all. You're more powerful than me. I'm drawing my strength from you. Let's close this by looking at these final texts. Ready for them? Colossians. Because this is the prayer that Paul prayed that all oh, we should really embrace. The prayers in Ephesians and this prayer right here are prayers that every one of us should really commit to memory. I did it just by saying them over and over and over and over every single day for my life. Quoting them all the time. For this cause we also since the day we heard it cease not to pray for you, Paul saying, and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. This is summarizing our message. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthen with all might according unto his glorious power. Notice strengthen with all might unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness giving thanks to the Father who has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the remission of sins the next verse says he is saying this it's time for the church to wake up and recognize that on the inside of us we have a deposit of the power and the strength and the might and the glory of the living God that will equip us and enable us to rise up above all the powers of darkness because we've already been technically legally delivered from them and now we need to understand it so we can walk in the light of that understanding and experience the full blessings that these provided for us through the gospel. Look at Romans 15 and verse 29 we'll close it there. He says we've been delivered from all the powers of darkness. We've been translated into this other kingdom. And through Christ we have everything that pertains to life and godliness. But Satan wants to come along and prevent us from experiencing it. How? By doing what? Getting our weaknesses. Through entry points to get in. To bring us down. I am sure that when I come unto you I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. The fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. I'm not coming to you with half, three quarters, or even 90%. I'm coming to you, presenting to you the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. And that's not being selfish or self-centered and self-willed. Beloved, Jesus wants us to walk in the fullness of the blessings that he died for on Calvary's cross. He wants to enter into our promised land. He wants us to dwell in our promised land and see to it that we stay faithful in that land unto the very end so that when we leave this realm of life we have a testimony, praise God, that Paul had. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course and now I have run my race and now there's a crown of righteousness up there for me and anyone that will absolutely look for his appearing and coming and every one of us is going to hear those words someday. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the fullness of the joy of your Lord. Hallelujah. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. 
Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.